And when we look at the parable and we look into commentary, it is one of the most confusing parables there is because it is so odd that the manager is on Facebook. So let's walk back. So we have this rich man who has a manager. And this manager apparently is unfaithful. And the moment that the rich man realizes that the manager is unfaithful, he fires him and says, you go away. You're not enriching my riches. I don't get more money out of you. And you're doing so, you are fired. Now, the manager thinks, yeah, what am I doing now? So he calls the debtors that are indebted to the rich person and says, well, let's talk about your debts that you have. And I will just cut them. You know, you owe 100, I make out of 50. You owe 100, we make 80, you know. So that when I'm fired and I knock on your door, hopefully, let's pray, you open my door. You know, your door and let me in. Because the manager thinks, well, I'm not a beggar. And also, I'm not a hard worker. So I'm not good at this, but I'm good at, at you know, being unfaithful. And, you know, we take something of your debts and we're all good. And then we have the conclusion of this parable saying, make friends with the unfaithful and with the wealthy, because when all that is gone, hopefully, you know, you have a place in their eternal home. That's kind of odd. That is so not Jesus-like, you know. And then we have the whole spill of, you know, if you entrust with a little and you do good and you're faithful, you entrust with much. But if you're already unfaithful in the smalls, you will be unfaithful probably also in the bigger portion. And when we have parables, when Jesus talks, they are always something that we have to remember when we have. So in the parable, we always have the salvation party, the individual party, and the communal party. What am I meaning? So we use an easier parable to understand, lost sheep. We have the salvation party, the shepherd who goes after the lost sheep. The lost sheep is the individual party. So just me as a singular person who's getting lost. And then you have the communal we, the herd that is left behind, has to protect, you know. And then we go to the prodigal son, you have the salvation party, that's the father, the parent waiting. You have the individual party, the son that got lost and is coming back, the prodigal one. And then you have the communal that is represented by the brother who says, well, I was always here, and where's my party? You see that when you hear those stories, you have those three parties, <coughs> the one that saves the one individual, one has a problem, and then the community. And then in this parable, most people, or you know, actually all, say the rich person is the salvation party, God, Jesus. The manager is us, and then the debtors is the community. You see what I'm saying? Are you following me? And then it becomes really odd because God commends us on our unfaithfulness. And then we have really issues here to understand what God or what this parable actually wants to say, right? If we have those categories. The fun part about those three parties and parables 
The shepherd is not necessarily the salvation party. And the lost sheep is not necessarily just me as an individual. And the herd is not necessarily the community. When you have those three parties, it is fun to look at this parable of the lost sheep when the lost sheep all of a sudden is God and the shepherd is us as a church looking out for the sheep in the world and maybe the herd as the individual me I am left behind. All of a sudden, that or parable has a different spin. I would love to talk about this, but that is unfortunately not our parable because our parable is about the unfaithful manager. Now, if we allow that the rich man is not the salvation party, but let's say the communal party, the world, and the manager is the salvation party, let's say Jesus, and the debtors are we as the individual party, I am indebted to the rich man, I am indebted to the world, which we all can relate when we look at our credit card statement, <laughs> then maybe we come closer to understand what this parable is all about. So here is the world with its greed and richness, right? The world provides, and there is greed. And as Jesus, the manager in this world, is unfaithful. Because maybe because we don't know what the unfaithful manager actually did so that the rich man, the world, gets upset with Jesus. Maybe this manager already was very kind to the debtor, saying, you need two more days to pay back your debt? Fine, do that. I give you two more days. To the world, that is very unfaithful because all the banks would say, if you give two more days to somebody who owes me money, I lose. I don't make money, I lose money, right? So maybe this unfaithful manager was kind to the debtors, which caused losing money to the world, to the greedy part of the world. And when we look into Jesus' life, we see that he is unfaithful in many ways because he's not very, he's not very obedient to the law of the, of the religion. You know, we remember how he went to the fields on the Shabbat to get the grains to feed the hungry because he says it's more important to feed the hungry than in this very moment to honor the Shabbat because honoring the Shabbat means actually feeding the ones who are hungry, and they don't wait with their hunger to tomorrow because then it's more convenient. No, you feed them now. So Jesus actually is very unfaithful by healing and reaching out to the ones who are on the margin of the society because they are unclean. He was in this gray zone all the time of being unfaithful to do the right thing, to show kindness and love. So if this manager was unfaithful, is Jesus, we understand his unfaithfulness. And then we understand also Jesus who says, well, I get fired by the world, which it ends at the cross. We're getting fired by the world, Jesus is fired by the world as the manager. So what am I doing? How do I reach the people's hearts? So I'm not a beggar. Jesus is not a beggar. He doesn't beg us to open our hearts to let him in. 
His message is so much more than he would just beg and plead to, please, please, please let me in. No, we have to open our hearts to understand that this message is so wonderful and beautiful that we want that Jesus comes in with his message. So he's not a beggar. But he's also not a hard worker that forces himself into our hearts because we know the moment we force ourselves onto somebody, this somebody resents us. Resents us. So Jesus also is not this hard worker that forces himself into our hearts so that at the end we resent him. So what does he do as the manager, as the unfaithful manager? He says, come on over here. You have debt. I reduce your debt. Remember my kindness. Remember my love. Remember me. And open your hearts and the doors. So that when I knock on your door, you won't be in because of the kindness that I showed to you. Because of the love and forgiveness and patience that I show to you. So because the relationship is so much more important, so the conclusion of this parable is, let us make or relationships even with the dishonest and wealthy and worldly people, because when all this is gone, all the material, all the greed, all the money, when all this is gone, what remains is the relationship the relationship that Jesus established, that the manager established by being forgiving and caring and loving. But here's the twist. The rich man comes back, right? Where all of a sudden, the rich man commands and applauds the manager to be even more unfaithful. The world is not only greed. The world is good, right? We are in the world. The world is not only bad. So maybe the world that is good commanded the manager of being even more unfaithful because it showed the humanity, the good. And maybe the world learned the lesson there that it is not all about greed and riches and enriching my wealth and my money. It is about the humanity, the love, and the care, and that this unfaithful manager did the right thing, and that the world commands this manager because it shows and changes the world by showing humane actions, love, and compassion that is so much needed in the world. Maybe if we look at the three entities, the salvation, the individual, and the communal, and we put Jesus in the middle as the unfaithful manager, all of a sudden this parable makes a little bit more sense. Makes a little bit more sense why being unfaithful is a good thing. And we as debtors, as the individual who are indebted with a hundred of grains, with a hundred of oil, we get the benefit of this unfaithful manager who shows love and compassion and eases our yoke. As Jesus wants us, that we have this yoke taken off of our shoulders to live freely. So maybe 
If we look at this parable this way, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. But now the tricky part comes. When we have parables and then we are Christians, we ought to follow Jesus, right? So somehow we also have to look at this parable that we as Christians also should act like this unfaithful man. As we are called to be like a shepherd, looking out for the ones who got lost, right? Or as the father, the parents, opening, uh, having open arms for the people who return, we also ought to be this unfaithful manager. To be in this gray zone where I'm not saying that, and, and Jesus never, never killed somebody or stole something. It was always in this gray zone where Yes, there is the law, but you can be also very generous with the law. Where you forgive rather going to the police and say, this person stole something from me, just to listen to the story, why that happened, and then, you know, show love and compassion and forgive me. Like the police that when they stop you and you tell them that you have to go to the hospital or they see that there's a pregnant woman giving birth, they don't ticket you. There's this gray zone where they allow you to go ahead and do, though you broke a little bit the law, <laughs> but there was a good reason. Or like store managers, managers, not the owners, store managers catch somebody, a young adult, a teenager, you know, somebody, and they stole something, and they tell the story that they are hungry, that's why they took the bread, not to call the police, but to let it in this moment slip in the way of looking at this person with love and compassion by listening to the story and not value the law as much as the, the reason why. And of course, I'm not talking about killing, okay? There's no, but the gray zone where we are in, where sometimes showing love and compassion goes way longer than insisting on what's right and what's this love and compassion, this relationship that we establish in this moment with an unfaithful person, when all is gone, they will remember this one relationship where love and compassion was shown to them and changed their hearts. Where we are called to reach out not only to faithful people, but of all people, and establish a worthy, long-lasting relationship of love and compassion that when all the world fades away, all the riches and all the money goes away, what's left and what is our, our relationship? Our relationship with God and with the people. With God and the people. And then Jesus concludes, very simple, if we look at this as a relationship, if you are good in one relationship, you will be entrusted with many. But if you're not able to be forgiving <coughs> and loving and kind in one relationship, the odds are that you are not loving and kind when it comes to the bigger crowd. So when we want to follow and understand this parable a little bit, 
And we are called to be not only the debtors as a singular one, but also to follow like Jesus, like this. Sometimes we have to look at our lives and look at ourselves and say, how can I be today a little bit unfaithful to establish good relationships that last and are stronger than all the worldly and material things? Because those relationships, they will give us endurance to our eternal lives. So, let's be a little bit unfaithful. Amen.